You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Good morning. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here. And the one that gets to do this more often than not, so thanks for sitting under God's word together with me this morning. Uh, two things real quick. Um, one, man, one verse, focal passage. Tanya, this is unacceptable. I'll kick something to make you feel better later. It's okay. Uh, two real quick things. One, this is just one verse, but gosh, there is a ton of weight. And it just seems so simple. Uh, children, honor your parents. But then uh, for me, uh, here's, here's what I'm asking of you. Even right now, would you, just, would you pray for me? Because I know there are landmines and ditches and rooms for, uh, room for just hurt and all kinds of stuff in a text like this. So just pray for me because I, I know I won't uh, nail it in every assumption and every application and all those things, so pray for me um, that God's grace might be full in my words today. And secondly, um, as we were talking about honoring your parents, and uh, I, I just want to thank you. If you are between the ages of, of like fourth to sixth grade, since we've regathered, we know that you've not had Kville uh, Historically, we have Kville up to sixth grade, and and so you've been hanging out with, in here with us, and we've not made any special uh, just I've just preached just as long and said all the things, and I think I even almost cussed. And so I just want to thank you all for real in that age group. Um, thanks so much for for learning and growing alongside of of God's people. It is a you are a gift, and we're super glad that you're in the room. And and our hope is at, in time that we can. But as for right now, thank you for for uh, slugging it out with us and parents likewise. Uh, in light of all that. Um, in a recent to and fro of the hurried things of life, you know, like it's, we, we go here and there and, and everywhere. Uh, my son, he's 13, his name's Titus, he's not here today, I asked him if I could talk about this and he was cool with that. So he and I, uh, it was after some late basketball game or whatever, we stopped by the local Wendy's and we did what anyone does at Wendy's, you get a four for four. And um, that's, uh, I, I ordered a junior bacon cheeseburger, four piece nugget, fries and a drink. And he got a chicken sandwich, spicy chicken nuggets, fries and a drink. And before we got home, he had spilled a drink in the floor of my car. Um, whatever, you know, like, uh, and so, ah, gosh, you're spilling the drink. And my heart's like, man, I just hope it's his drink. Um, <laughs> oh, it was, it was your drink, Dad. Uh, my bad. That's fine. That's fine, Ty. Um, so we get home, and you may, or if you've ever eaten with me, you know this is f- for real. I'm, I'm the slowest eater you've never met, um, and so I eat very slow. So I'm like on my second nugget. Now he's eaten uh, two sandwiches, um, chicken nuggets, and he's like working on his fries. I've eaten like three chicken nuggets, and so I finish that up. I get to my junior bacon cheeseburger, and I open it up, and it looks like a chicken sandwich. All right, he had two chicken sandwiches. So I say, uh, hey, did you, did you eat a junior bacon cheeseburger? And Titus's response was, yeah, I wonder why there was bacon on it. 
And so I said, did, did you wonder why it was a hamburger and not a piece of chicken? Um, and so, so Titus's response, uh, in humility, oh, sorry, Dad. Uh, it's, it's all good. Then he makes this comment. Man, I would, like, knowing kind of how the last 20 minutes have unfolded, he says, man, I would, I would hate to be a parent. Like, <laughs> you just get dunked on over and over, and you just have to take it. And so since then, since, since that moment, we've chatted, we've had conversations, we've laughed, and, and, and here's the thing, we even learned a bit from that. And, and here's the thing, in, in that conversation, in those little, hey, sorry, Dad, and it must be terrible to be a parent, uh, little words that come out, there's, there's actually some shining hope and, and even progress that makes a dad sing within his heart that, that my child, all right, one of two that, that uh, I and, and Kim, you know, we sacrifice for and we care for as much as anything this world offers. He has a window, like the, the window might be shaped like a junior bacon cheeseburger, but a sliver of the weight of parenting. Now, we would call that a microcosm. That is a tiny little thing that if you like extract it out, it really paints a bigger story and a bigger picture. Um, there is weight to parenting. Kids. <clears throat> and, and as a preface, uh, one of the difficulties is many are kids and many are parents and we're all kids and, we're, you know, and, and many aren't any of those things uh, right now, and so there's some difficulty, but, but kids, wherever that finds you, I hope that you understand that being a parent is tough. And you might think that we just get to make up all the rules, and we just whatever, we, it must be nice, just to, but, but everybody's following rules. Everybody's doing something else. Everybody's trying to figure things out, and, and man, little pro tip for you kids, like your parents, they don't have it all figured out. Because I remember my parents at my age, like being 38, and I remember thinking, oh, mom and dad, they just, they got it figured out. But, but then I'm 38, and I figure out, I don't have anything figured out. So, in, in light of this, parents, the same. It's tough to be a kid. Your kids bear weight, Right? And so when we both understand that, gosh, there is some weight to this dynamic and this relationship, if we get this, then we are primed to give grace, grace of which that we have received um, 10 times over, 100 times over, and, and then we are primed to give honor in a way that's healthy. The, the truth is, um, this idea helps remind me of my responsibility, of what I'm in for as a dad, of the weight that I get to carry, right? Um, the, of the weight that I, that I have as a parent. And it also helps kids see things under the current that, that your parents not just nagging at you and asking and pushing and pulling and coaching and teaching and, and leading and correcting and, and demanding. All of that is, is parenting. So, so when we put those things together, if we can keep those things in view as we learn to focus on the bigger stakes of parent, child, family, then we can begin to live in a way that, that understands the weight, that honors the weight, and at the same time brings the greatest truths and the highest priorities of all of life into focus for us. So, so this family dynamic, it is in, 
incubator for following God and for inviting others to follow him. This parent-child relationship is heavy. It, it does take understanding. It does take respect. It is the first institution of God. Before government or anything else, it is, it is family. See, in, in the beginning few chapters of the Bible, go be fruitful and multiply. So we see this element of honor in, in Exodus where we find ourselves today being the fruit of fruitful multiplication. It, it is the first context for discipleship. For us, Knowing Jesus and us following Jesus. And it's difficult. Family dynamic. Broken, I know. Difficult, even when it works properly. And, and the reality is, any two humans that try to do anything together for any period of time, you're going to find that, that your differences and your personalities and the way that you think things should go and, and all the, like, it's just, it's a really tough thing. Um, when we look at marriage and the idea of two humans that, that, choose, that choose to live with one another for the rest of their life. They said, yeah, I, I want you. And the other person said, and I'll take you as well, right? Let alone, not in a family dynamic where, where there's no choosing there's a book called When Sinners Say I Do, and, and it's, it's talking about what marriage is, and it's two sinners coming together, and the, the impact and the emphasis of that is just this, that, that it is really difficult to live life together. Group projects are difficult, and so when you put yourself with someone else, gosh, it, it, it just... It, 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 is, it is really difficult, but, but it's a two-way street. I've learned more um, about God and my walk with Him from my kids probably than they have from me. But my hope is increasingly uh, with age that they realize my love for them and things that they didn't understand in the moment was maybe just dad caring for me in a way that I couldn't receive it in the moment. And my hope is as, as time goes on that, that they realize that I care about them. All right. And, and certainly, the, the, certainly there's like the, the idea of I want them to be safe and I want them sure to, to provide for themselves and be successful in whatever their heart goes after in, in this life, occupationally or, or otherwise. But, but those things are secondary. And my highest aim is that they would walk with Jesus, that they would live through his work, that they would love well, that they would serve well, that they would find their hope and their delight and their joy in Christ alone, no matter what this world offers them, and, and let all that they put their hands to bring him glory. That's the hope of, of a Christian parent and and we miss and kids miss but but if there was one main idea of this command today it, it, it's this the way of God begins at home so in this exodus we're looking at one verse and we've been looking at this for a couple of years now working through this book in a couple chunks and we saw 
God rescue his people from slavery in Egypt, and now we see him beginning to establish a covenant, and he had a moment with them in Exodus chapter 19, and he said, I'm your God, be my people, and they said, we will be your people. And he said, great, here's what that looks like. And he gives them some stone tablets with some words on it. And we have together looked at four of those. And now we are looking at the fifth one. And and this one is kind of the segue between the two tables or the two tablets. Um, As we've seen, the first four really are about our vertical relationship with the Lord. Like what, what it looks like for us to be his people, that he is ours alone, that there are no other gods, that we don't have idols Right? That, that, that we carry his name with honor and that we find our rest, even when we're working, that we find our rest in him alone. And now we see this segue in the next five, the, the, back, uh, the back half of these commands are really very simple about what, what uh, a flourishing community looks like. Like don't kill each other. Okay. Don't murder and don't steal things and don't commit adultery and and some other things. And so those are kind of really broad community issues. And and this one is kind of the segue. And most theologians say this doesn't really fit neatly into either one of those. It's kind of like the segue between. So maybe we could see it as a circle that God is at the center, that he is primary, that our relationship with him is first and foremost. But then there's like a smaller circle outside of that. And that's where he is building the basis for for family, that the way of God begins at home. And then as that spreads out, we begin to see what that looks like as it's applied to our neighbor and the community beyond. After God, family is first and primary. It is our first and primary earthly obligation and responsibility. And so today, two points, a three-hour sermon that's only two points, all right? The first one is this, children, honor God by honoring your parents. Children, honor God by honoring your parents. As a reminder, this is the command or, or the word as, uh, as maybe more accurately described. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So this command is a little unique. It's actually in the positive. It's not telling us what not to do. Don't do this or don't do that or, or don't kill or don't steal or any of those things. It's telling us to do something. Um, it is unlike the others, right? It's, it's not a call of something not to do, but, but it is a positive and something that we should do in the same way as we will look at those and we'll say, well, this is saying don't murder. And then when we get to say, well, well, what is it calling us to then? In the same way, this says you ought to honor your father and mother. So what is it forbidding? It, well, it's forbidding dishonor. Don't dishonor your father and your mother. So the question becomes, what does honor mean? What does it mean to honor? And so the, the word is, is to be heavy, to be weighty, to be burdensome. It's telling us to honor our mother and father. But here's the thing. I don't think that it's telling us to be a burden to your parents. It's telling us that we get to understand, that we get to treat the relationship as weighty, as important. We get to esteem and lift up father and mother. Luther says it this way in his shorter catechism. He says a bunch of cool stuff about the Ten Commandments. One of them is this. We sh- this is him kind of uh, commentating on this command. We should fear and love God so that we do not despise or anger our parents and other authorities, but honor them 
serve and obey them, love and cherish them. All right, we should fear and love God. That's where it begins. So that we do not despise or anger our parents or other authorities, but we get to honor them, serve, obey them, love and cherish them. So this is, at face value, it is heavy and it is a little vague, this command. Honor your father and mother, which, which is good for us who love to law matters of the heart. Like, we could easily be like, God, okay, honor father and mother. I don't know what that means. Can you just give me a list of 15 things that I have to do every single day? And I'll just walk in those things and we'll call it obedient. And I will do those things when I want to and when I feel like it. And it might please mom. But that's not, what, that's not what the Bible does. It doesn't give us a list of things. It wants us to understand the essence of what's God so much that we don't anger our parents. I know, that's convicting, isn't it? I'm, I'm 38. That's convicting. That we should love God so much that we don't anger our parents or authorities. Dang. The other authorities in our life. But we get to honor, serve, obey, love, and cherish them. Well, how does that show up today? I, I think a couple things. Certainly we get to obey and respect and, and treat them as if they matter and, and take ownership around the home and, and help them do their job of being parents by being understanding as children. But, but what if we kind of boiled it down to just three ways that we can honor? Three words. Thoughts, words, deeds. How can I honor father and mother with my thoughts, with my words, with my deeds? And, and here's what we see, that thoughts, they are the seed of everything else. Anything that you do probably begins with a thought. And now some people, you might be compulsive or impulsive, and it might happen very quickly. It starts with a thought, and then before you know it, you're doing something. Others, it sits here, it stews here, it comes out here, and eventually it shows up in what you do thoughts, the seed of everything else. Words, we might describe words maybe as like uh, the clothing to our thoughts. Like when our thoughts get dressed in the morning, they show up as our words. And our deeds or our actions, when our thoughts have become full grown, they manifest, they show up in, in full in the things that we do. In our house, one thing that we said for a long time, quite regularly, this is what I want of you. Can, can you just be respectful and, you can, and can you be responsible? <laughs> Everything. Hey, hey, I know that wasn't the best conversation and uh, you're yelling at your mom and, and I'm yelling at somebody else and the neighbor's dog and my dog, whatever. But here's what we need. Can, can, we, just be, can we just be respectful and can, and can we be responsible? Right? We understand that that can, uh, can ebb and flow and, and give and take, but this is what we get to assess. Right? And, and so as you think about uh, honoring father and mother, most of us maybe shift to just something real basic like chores. Now chores are like the lowest hanging fruit. Just be respectful and responsible. When I tell you to do something, can you just take out the trash? And I remember being a kid, 10 years old, sitting on the couch, and my mom saying, Michael, can you take out the trash? And, and in my mind, you know what I'm thinking? Immediately. It doesn't matter what I'm saying. I'm thinking, I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing. And if I'm still mindful that you asked me to do this, 
in, in whatever period of time that has passed, I may take out the trash. Now, just something silly like that, but maybe you've had an argument around that in your home. Maybe you've seen that. Like, just something so, can you not just respect my words and be responsible to do the thing that I ask you to do? Now, now I'm 38 years old. I go to my parents' house, and if, if their trash bag is like half full, it's just in me. It's just a simple thing. Just take out the trash in my parents' home today. So there's certainly some element of growth maybe that happens from the time I'm 10 years old, which is an encouragement to me. But this, this deed piece is more than just trash removal. It's a call to take care of parents when they need you. Now understand, at times you can do nothing. And, and you might have a kid that's this big, and they, you can't do it. And so in, in time, as kids grow up, they begin to bear appropriate weight for their age and, and take care of things. And, and we get to do that for as long as wisdom to navigate the difficult scenarios and not forsaking the heart of the issue. Jesus has an interaction with the Pharisees, who were uh, rigid law keepers, they were uh, externally uh, moral people. They were religious people, and they cast judgment on everyone. You, you may see people like that. You may be people like that. Those are the people that when you read through the New Testament, you see Jesus everywhere he goes picking fights with these people. Who, who didn't just do the wrong thing. They may have done the right thing, but they did it for the wrong reason. So Jesus has an interaction. This is what he says. I'll, I'll read this to you in Mark 15. He says, Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem, and they said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? Don't overlook that. Right? What, what they're saying is, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They didn't say, why, why are they not walking in the ways of God? They said, Why are they not doing what we've always done? Big difference. And so Jesus, he's mindful, he answered them, and he says, well, here's a question for you. Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? So he begins to contrast, oh, the way that you're living your life, that doesn't mean that's the way that God has built out our lives to be lived. So why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Then he goes on, he says, for God commanded, honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles, which kind of means to be uh, abusively critical, whoever is critical of father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is giving to God, he need not honor his father. So what he says is, but you're saying, despite the fact that God said, honor your father or mother, you're saying, I'm doing ministry with the money that was supposed to take care of my parents. And you think that's okay. So the reason why I share that with you, and there's a, a ton in there, the reason why I share that is because it's not just, a, a, don't just think in your mind a five-year-old, but think about the, the span of life and how life transitions with age and all of those things. And he's affirming the fact that we have a responsibility to honor our parents. For as long as we have them with us in a context that is wise and, uh, and, and godly. So, in this we see head stuff and heart stuff and hand stuff. And, and maybe an analogy would be like, you would say cleanliness is next to godliness. All right? And you would say, so clean your room. 
And then your, your son or your daughter might say, that's great, that's a tradition of your, your grandmother, but it's the Sabbath, so I got to rest. <laughs> I kid, you can tease that out on your own. Uh, what do you believe about your parents that leads you to dismiss them, to roll your eyes, to, to talk to them like they are idiots, to disrespect them, to dishonor them, to disobey them with your thoughts, with your words, with your actions? For real. Young or old, what do you believe about your parents that would cause you to affect them, dishonor them, disobey them with thought, word, and action. Luther goes on, and he tells us something which kind of helps us overcome one obstacle, and there are many, in the longer form of that catechism on this uh, passage, and this is what he says. He says, We must therefore impress it upon the young that they should regard their parents as in God's stead, And remember that however lowly, poor, frail they might be, I think he says the word in another word for weird in there as well, for real. Frail they might be, nevertheless they are are father and mother given them by God. They are not to be deprived of their honor because of their conduct or their failings. Therefore, we are not to regard their persons how they may be, but the will of God who has thus created and ordained. I know that some of your parents live in such a way that this seems impossible. Right? We get to walk this and the whole counsel of God's word out in wisdom with others, and we get to process God is not uh, black and, and white, and this is the way that it is, and, and live and do these things. But we get to get to the heart of what's going on. God has made provision through parents, and the, the aim and the importance is affirmed by God's command. And I would say, again, just like the analogy of husband and wife, but just as husbands are to love their wives as Christ has loved the church. What does that mean? Husbands, love your wife as Christ loves the church. Lay down your life for her. Pour yourself out for her. Now, do husbands do that in every moment of every day? No. If we did, we would in a greater capacity, reflect the glory of God. But we don't. So, so God provides the framework for flourishing of his covenant community. Literally the foundation in these ten words. But covenant community gets to carry that out. And look, we know that sin breaks stuff. So, so he has with this a promise Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So long as you follow and obey, you'll, you, you, you'll have blessing. And as you stray, you will have chaos. And this is what he's already established in his covenant on the front end. So long as you obey me, so long as you walk with me. But, but we know that the world that we live in doesn't walk with him. This isn't their highest prize. Right? And even on our best days in a 24-hour period of time, this is seemingly not our own highest price. 
This is a, a tough thing. So, so it's the only command with a promise. It, it reads like a proverb. If you spend time reading through the Proverbs, it's just kind of bits of wisdom after bits of wisdom. This is what godly wisdom looks like as a way of life. Live this way and you will see good days. But it isn't a prophecy and it isn't assurance. Like 100% of the time, do this. Uh, it's a formula and on the output, you'll, you'll do this. It's a rule of thumb. It's a pattern for, for normal but sin breaks. And I don't have to tell you stats about family dynamics or, or, or broken homes or fatherless homes and, and, and all of those things for this truth to come to bear. As practice, we get to practice submission and honor in our safest place, in the most dear relationships as a training ground for walking in the life in the way of God, to live as disciples, learning and obeying the life in the way of Jesus. And if we're unwilling to honor and obey our parents, that's probably not the only one you're willing to disobey, to dishonor. We have rebel hearts from birth. And God, in his grace, loves us in spite of us. And he redeems us through the work of Jesus and the life that he lived and the cross that he bore for our sin and the life and his resurrection that he invites us into. And as he ascends into heaven, he rules and reigns and he sends the Holy Spirit to be with us that we might be conformed to his image, that all who call upon his name might look and live like him. But if we're not going to obey mom and dad, even at, at a young age, then we're going to struggle to obey the words of God and certainly the, the authorities in our life otherwise. But isn't it funny that we treat those closest to us like the worst? Even in good relationships, those that we love the most and, and those that we trust the most, we let our kind of true self come out. And look, I don't know what your life looks like behind closed doors. But I, I'm just guessing that, that if we were to roll footage of the last seven days, you'd be like, dang. And here's the thing. You probably wouldn't treat me, just some guy, the way that you treat your spouse or the way that you treat your kids or the way that you treat your parents. And look, they love you more than I do. So why is that? Because they love us, because we love them, we, we care too much of what others think of us to let that kind of behind the curtain show up in public. But what if, instead of giving those nearest to us our worst, we actually let God conform us and we gave them our best? And I'm not saying that then you put me on blast this week. I'm just saying that that's a lie. What if, as kids, we, we didn't understand this as kind of keep mom and dad's rules, but, but I can literally live a God, I can live a life that honors God in the way that I honor my parents. And, and I know, what about families that aren't a model of God's reflection? Well, one, that's all of them. Um, and, and two, I know that there are some in, in greater capacity that this becomes really painful and difficult. And I know as, as joyful as this brings some, it brings pain and confusion to others. 
when parents cause harm or fail to prioritize safety or protection or provision, it is as damaging as any relationship that this world can uh, experience. And to be clear, God hates abuse. He hates it within the home, and he hates spiritual abuse that we see in headlines every single day, it seems like. He, he despises those things. He despises parental negligence in any of the like. And there's real pain in this room and in this text. We get to look to those that God has given and search our hearts towards them. We get to move towards one another humbly with as much honor and is wise and godly with all grace and by the hand of grace. As we do, we get to honor God, our good dad. And again, this is the point of the emphasis. The way of God begins at home. And when it doesn't, then God's name isn't honored inside the home and it isn't honored outside the home. Children, honor God by honoring your parents. So, so we get that. And the second part is, is this, parents. Honor your children by honoring your God above all. Parents, honor your children by honoring your God above all. In the New Testament, we see Jesus and, and the writers, uh, Paul, a missionary church planter, the writer of Hebrews, and others commentate on text. Paul, and he writes in Ephesians to children, this is what he says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Okay. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We don't see anything in this command about mothers and fathers, but Paul, as he writes on it, he, he writes to fathers and he says, do not provoke your children to anger. That doesn't mean that you can't use their own slang jargon to them and it frustrates them. It doesn't mean that you, you don't get to do things that, you know, like I, I get family dynamics. This is not um, some, some stoic relationship that God is calling us into. But it means that we don't get to use our, our power and authority just to, make, just to make kids angry. And it goes on, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. What God is doing is he's emphasizing the weight and the centrality of family being the center of our life with him. And in some way, even in the Ten Commandments, as he paints this out, again, God being central, and then the family unit, and then he takes it beyond that to the way that we interact with one another, and then even beyond that to the, to the wayward, to the sojourner, to the stranger that might be among us. In, in some ways, this is a parallel between what Jesus says when he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. This is in Acts chapter 1. And he says, you will go and you will be my witnesses. You will tell people of me. And you'll do that in Jerusalem. That's here at home. And in Judea. And Samaria. And to the, ends of the, to the ends of the earth. But look, if you're not doing that here at home in Jerusalem, you're not going to do that to the ends of the earth. So he starts centrally. And he invites us to walk with him. It surely isn't a one-sided call. Children, obey. Parents, live as you please. And that's the way God built this thing out. 
That, that is not the way God has built this thing. That's the way that, that God will redeem this world, that children do what their parents say, and your parents do whatever you want. That's the way that God will rescue uh, this world from its sin or establish his kingdom. No, that is not the way. And I get that it's tough to honor what doesn't live honorably. I, I, I get that. And so that, that can look a, a thousand different ways. And yet we get to, in wisdom, we get to trust God. The command puts uh, the emphasis on children. But we must. What, what must be implied in this text is that we are people walking with God as parents. And we get to then be people who lead our children to know God and to follow Him. So, how do parents honor their children by honoring God above all? Isn't That's what I want to know. How do I do that? Well, two really simple things. One, we get to acknowledge the value of children. When your kids are your kids whatever age they are, do they feel like an inconvenience to you? They, they should not feel like... Now, sometimes they're being inconvenient. Just put, just put your dang shoes on and get in the car. Like, I understand that. <laughs> but but are, I'll ask it this way. Are your, are your children an inconvenience? And secondly, do they feel like they're an inconvenience to you? Show them their worth. Acknowledge the value that they have as children. Treat them like an inconvenience, and they will feel like an inconvenience. And that doesn't mean, look, man, that doesn't mean that you just go and you follow every mom blog and you feed them all the right things at the right times, and you have the right sleep routines. Just as a pause for a second, crippling weight. And, and to be fair, I, I know maybe you're that mom or dad and, and totally get it, and science is good, and do the things, and, and psychology and sociology, like do the things that we get to do to parent our children in wisdom. But when your parent says, you know, with you, you were drinking coffee and Coke and a sippy at three months old. Honor your father and mother when they tell you that. Don't dismiss what they're saying. And acknowledge, you know what? She's right. So I'm not saying you do whatever you want. You can have coffee in the sippy, Coke in the sippy, or you can build your life around your kids in a way that prizes them and disservices them in the scheme of their days. So it doesn't mean that you follow every mom blog that's, that's crippling. And, and maybe the generation gone by would, would have said, I, we didn't have enough information. And maybe the generation today says, we just, we just have too much information, and, and both can be difficult and crippling. I don't care what you do in any of the spectrum. That, that's not my point. 
But my point is, we shouldn't just do those things and we shouldn't just teach our, our sons to, to suck it up and swing a hammer. Fine, well, and good. Do those things. But do you listen to them? Do you take interest in what they have interest in? Do you intentionally spend time together? Do you, do you talk to them without correcting them? And look, these are things for me. Regularly, I might say to Kim, gosh. I feel like we just need to have moments with our kids where we're not trying to fix them. We get to let them know that they are made in the image of God for his glory. That we get to take care of them, that they are the apple of our eye, that apart from anything that they do, do they know that you give a rip, that you love them in failure? Are you there in their successes? Are you celebrating with them in hurt? Are you weeping with them before you fix them? Are you seeking to understand them in sin? Are you pointing them to their greater hopes and satisfaction in discipline? Do they know why? Do they know the difference between punishment and discipline for their good? Value them not build your life around them, but give them voice and give them value. And sometimes valuing children means saying tough things. It means saying no to things that you want to say yes to or vice versa. And sometimes it means making sacrifice that, that costs you deeply. But, but not to feed their idols of stuff or importance or of winning or any of those things. But to self-sacrifice in a way that leads them to know God who would lay down his life. And in that sense, what we get to do as we acknowledge the value of our children, we get to parent in a way that reflects his righteous rule. And the second thing we get to do is we get to invite them into the glory. That's, that's an overwhelming statement. We get to invite our kids into the glory of God. How about this? We get to behold God as a way of life and invite them to share in the same. Look, and I know you may find yourself in all sorts of, of ways towards the words that I'm saying or towards disciplining your kids, uh, towards discipling your kids in the word, in the ways of God. And my guess is that some of you are incredibly passionate about it and you're all about it and you love it. And you, you read books and you open the Bible together weekly and you, you pray together. And my guess is that some of you are lethargic and you just never even thought. You never even knew that that was your job. And, and, and maybe some of you are defeated because you try and you try and you try. And it's just really difficult because of rhythms of life. Or because there just seems to be no fruit in the work that you do. I know that some do more than you should and you feel like you can't do enough. This week I talked to a brother who was telling me about him teaching his kids, and he's talking about timelines of Scripture, piecing together the parts of the Bible, right? Like, we would be honored to listen to you as a church family, and his kids, his kids get to hear that. And then in the moment, they might not be responding, but this is the greatest thing ever, Dad. But in the scheme of things, is there anything better to do then to show them how to understand God through his word. And I know some of you, you barely walk with the Lord at all. 
and you have this, uh, I've, I've seen it so many times. Uh, when I settle down, uh, when, when whatever happens, you know, uh, well, no, we're going to raise our kids in the church. Do you, but do, are you you're part of the church? Well, no, but I mean, this utter train wreck of a disconnect that you think that your kids are going to value the Lord apart from you walking with them, showing them the way, and some try and try and try, and it's difficult, and your lives are busy, and there's no time for that. And so wherever these words meet you today, the, the future doesn't have to look like the past, and know that you're in good company, that Jesus himself discipled 12 young men, and they were disasters. And yet, on their foundation, we stand today. We get to show them that no matter what, they are the ones carrying out the mission of God to the ends of the earth. After we're gone, they get to go. So maybe we would start like this. Do you gather with the church? Do you pray? Do you seek him? Do you repent of sin? Privately and publicly in front of them. Do you believe? Do you love? Do you serve? And here's the thing, we get to do this. We get to start today, no matter where these things find you. Right? There, there's no guilt in any of this stuff. We get to start today, commit to be a son or a daughter. Right? Commit to follow Jesus today. That's what we get to do. Commit to trust him for the forgiveness of our sins and eternal life. And let him begin to build us up. But here's the thing, I know that some of you aren't parents, and some of you don't have parents in your life, some of you don't have relationships that look like this, so, so what do we do? Well, we get to begin with the, the big picture that God is building out, that the way of God begins at home. We carry our own lives, so we get to ask some questions, who has God placed in your life that reflects his authority? Parents, guardians, principals, teachers, bosses, governing authorities. As you sit under the scriptures in wisdom, how can we honor those people? Or, or, or uh, who is near you that you can invite them into the glory of God by the way that you think and talk and live? And maybe you are that authority to someone. Maybe you're a parent. Maybe you're a superior in authority. Whatever it is, how can you lay down that authority in a way that builds others up Unto a loving Father who sent His Son to die for you. And here's the thing. We, we can look at this. The way of God begins at home. And we see kids are to honor God by honoring their parents. And parents are to honor their children by honoring uh, God above all. But we've seen that kids, they don't always do that. Children don't always do that. And we've seen that parents struggle to live honorably as the authority. And so what is our hope? Well, here is our hope. That we have a dad who loves us perfectly. And we are by faith in Jesus united with a son who honors his perfect dad perfectly. All of the weight and all of these commands and the words that came out of my mouth today. Is, is this. What we get to do today. Walk with dad. We get to walk with dad. We're going to open this book up. We're going to search it. And we're going to find out who he is, 
who he's calling us to be. And we get to, we get to open the book and we get to open our hearts. And, and so whatever lies you believe about yourself as a child or yourself as a parent or about your children or about your parents, we get to engage today and walk in freedom that God has brought us into. He knows your woes. He delights that you would lean into him as your heavenly father and let him bear the weight that only he can. The band can come on up. The way of God begins at home. It begins there, but as we'll see in the next month, it doesn't end there. We get to take this truth, this relationship to the ends of the world. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. We get to respond today. You can pray right where you are. If you have hurts, if you have sin, we get to sit right where you are. You can stand up and you can sing. You can pray to him because he cares for you. You can pray at the prayer bench by one of these red trees with someone. And if you're in Christ, we get to remember and declare Christ's finished work for us by taking communion, the cup and the bread. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that you are the best dad. That you provide for us. And God, in the ways that it feels like our life is broken or this seems impossible, God, would you show us that, that sin breaks things, but you aim to restore things. God, would you build us up? Would you let us know that you are a good dad? Would you let us be united with the perfect son who, who honored you in, in every word, in every thought, in every deed? Would you unite us to Christ by your spirit? In Jesus' name.